turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. To have faith in God is not a stagnant state. It's a journey. As a believer, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as together we walk the believer's journey. Aloha and welcome to the Believer's Journey. I want to thank you for joining us again, this program. And I basically want to say thank you to all my sponsors and to everyone who has prayed for us, who watches this program. If you're watching this for the first time or the fifth or sixth or seventh time and you haven't subscribed, please do that for me. And if you have any comments or questions, you know, just write them in. You'll have my email there. You could comment right there on YouTube if you like or Facebook, whichever, wherever you're watching this, and I will definitely get back with you somehow. Um, today we have a, a different kind of program. Uh, I've been receiving questions, and they're more personal questions about me, about my life. I guess people want to know uh, who I am, why I uh, do this program, why I teach, uh, what right do I have to teach the Bible. I guess people want to know this. And I, and I guess I uh, had an opening, and I started feeling like I needed to answer these questions. So this is going to be different. You'll know more about me on a personal level. And my guest today is Gene Benedict. Yes. Gene is, uh, he is a, a very prominent and one of the most respected counselors in San Antonio. Uh, I would say that uh, he knows me pretty well. He was my counselor several years ago for a few years. Yeah. That's true. Then I made my wife stop seeing him because Gene and I became friends. <laughs> Couldn't do that anymore. That's right. <laughs> so anyway, um, I invited Gene here to ask the questions, to comment on anything that he feels led to comment, to uh, ask his own questions if he likes. And I think this might be a, a pretty good program. Yeah. yeah. One of the things, when Alan, when you asked me to you know, try to come up, share with folks about things that I knew about you. I have had the privilege of knowing you for several years. So I came up with some questions I thought that might be uh, interesting for folks to know about. And, of course, there's always a beginning. Where do you start? Well, that would be when you were born. So can you tell us about where you were born and and uh, what year that was? Are you willing to reveal what year that was? <laughs> So I was born in Van Nuys Maternity Hospital, back in the, in the days when they called hospitals maternity hospitals. Oh, okay. Now it's, I think, Memorial Hospital. I'm not sure what it is, but it's uh, back in Van Nuys, uh, California. Okay. I, I'm a Valley guy. Oh, okay, Valley guy. Valley guy. I grew okay. up in the San Fernando Valley, like, totally, man. Like, that's <laughs> totally cool. You know, <laughs> that, kind of that. Yeah, that kind of genre, yeah. There you go, where the cars on Wednesday night would, you know, drag up and down the strip. Oh, so, okay. So that's where I was born. I was born in 1954. Okay. So, um, this is some idea. Yeah. I guess that was a good year. I kind of wish I was born earlier than that, but that's just. Well, what year would you would rather be born in? I don't know. Something that we're. I'm older now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, what was. 
Who, who helped you grow up? Who did that? Who helped you grow up? Oh, probably my grandmother. You know, I, and I have not, uh, this is not a secret. I've said that I was, I've uh, had a dysfunctional upbringing. My parents, uh, my dad was not around very often. Mm-hmm. Um, he worked a lot. And what did he do? He was a contractor. He built houses. Mm-hmm. He built houses for tract homes. He built houses for uh, custom homes. For example, he he built Steve McQueen's house. Oh, okay, cool. You know, he he built the first four four story apartment building in Los Angeles. Oh, and that first building he built, uh, a guy actually fell off and died. Oh, that's not good. No. <laughs> So um, so he was not around a lot. My parents, you know, they fought a lot. And there was five of us. I was the oldest of five. Mm-hmm. Okay. There were four boys and a girl in the middle. Right, okay. And my dad left when I was nine. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my parents were divorced at ten. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of mm-hmm. grew up with my mom. All my brothers and my sister lived with my dad Mm-hmm. And then lived with my mom and lived with okay. my dad. But I never left my mom. I always had to stay with my mom. Okay. I was the cook. Uh, I was the house cleaner, the babysitter, the diaper right. diaper. You were changer. helping your siblings grow up. Well, kind of, yeah. yeah. But, you know, it was interesting because um, because they stayed a lot with my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, like two of them especially became carpenters with my dad. Oh, okay. So yeah. I didn't really get to know them very well. Oh. So I was okay. kind of you know, more estranged. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it was just different. Okay. My mom, we moved, oh, so many times. I think I was in different, maybe seven or eight different elementary schools, mm-hmm. you know, until finally I was in one junior high and one high school. Um, my mom remarried when I was 15. Uh, my stepfather, he told me he hated me. He didn't like me. And oh, so wow. I ended up moving out of my house mm-hmm. when I was about 16 and a half years old. Wow. Moved wow. into my car. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. uh, so that's kind of where I grew up. And uh, like I said, it was pretty dysfunctional. Yeah. So, so it's kind of like, wow. But you learned a lot of things. I did. And my grandmother, I think, was, like I said, she was the stability in my life. Mm-hmm. She taught me about manners. And she taught mm-hmm. me about uh, being a good person. And she taught me about... Um, uh, all the things that I needed to know to to be a good person kind of proves the idea that grandparents are really important in kids' oh. lives as they're growing up. And it sounds like you were very fortunate to have that with your mom, your grandmother. Yeah, growing yeah. up, I would say my grandmother was more of my mom than my mom was. Mm. Okay, um, right. uh, and, and that's. You know, and at this point, I have to say, you know, I had a hard time with my mom after I left the house mm-hmm. for years and years and years. Um, but my mom and I have an amazing relationship now. I love mm-hmm. her. I call her. I try to call her every week if possible. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, that's awesome. So you grew up basically in California then, is that right? I grew up in California until I was um, 18, till I was 20, and then I moved to Colorado. So you didn't grow up in Hawaii? No. As your shirts <laughs> might depict for you. No, my my uh, Hawaiian, um, my great-grandfather, mm-hmm. who was my grandmother's father, mm-hmm. was hired to um, do the interior decoration um, for the Royal Hawaiian when it was built. Oh, okay. So I guess back in the 20s or 30s, something like that, they all moved out to Hawaii Oh. And my grandmother went to school there in Kaimaki oh, Elementary that's School. Neat, that's neat. And uh, so 
that's where my roots start in Hawaii. Okay. Uh, they, I guess, moved back. Then my grandmother and grandfather moved out to Hawaii and lived there. My mom was mm -hmm. there as a child and grew up during the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Oh, wow. In fact, she did a painting of the bombing of Pearl Harbor wow. that's in the Nimitz Museum right now. Awesome. awesome. It's really cool. She yeah. donated it to there. And, and so she lived there during all that period of time and after mm -hmm. the, afterwards. And... Um, then later on, I moved out there. Lon Ekdahl, who How was, old were you when you moved out there? Oh, it was 1985 or six. So I count the years: 31, 30, mm -hmm. 31. Okay. And so I moved out there 30, 1985 or six, mm -hmm. and I lived there for five years, four or five mm -hmm. years. Okay. And I, my wife passed away mm -hmm. while we were out there, and uh, so I moved back to uh, Texas. This is mm -hmm. my first time in Texas. Oh, wow. I lived here till about 1994, mm -hmm. and then I moved back to Ho uh, California, mm -hmm. and then back to Hawaii for oh, several okay. years. Okay. So I lived there for several years, and then um, uh, I took a church as associate pastor on the mainland mm -hmm. and uh, back in 1998. And mm -hmm. so basically, that's my Hawaiian, the Hawaiian. That's your the Hawaiian influence on your life. It is. And yeah. then I married I married a girl from Hawaii who was mm -hmm. born and raised from Hawaii. Susan, my wife, mm -hmm. a lot of people, you know who she is. Amazing woman, yes. yes. Yeah. She was born in Hawaii and raised in Hawaii. And yeah. uh, she moved away. Um, and then we go back every, um, we try to go back every year. Or every mm -hmm. other year, and mm -hmm. we we visit the different you know different islands. Maybe three islands every mm -hmm. time we go back to three islands. Right, right. I don't like going to Oahu, <laughs> but she happens to have graduated from uh, Punahou yeah. Yeah. Uh, High School, and so she goes back every five years to go to her high school reunion. So next yeah. year we're going to Oahu, but then we're going to go to Kauai and the Big Island. So we, oh, okay, awesome. We mix that up. Well, when you were a kid. Uh, elementary on into middle school. What were some of your heroes? Did you have any heroes or heroines in, in life that uh, said, oh, I like that person? You know, I really don't know if I had any heroes. Um, not until I became a, like a teenager, older teenager. Right. I, um, yeah, I, I think... Uh, I think I was so wrapped up in having fun and doing things. I mean, okay. I was very, very active. That's I was okay. active in, in sports. Yeah. I was uh, pretty good in sports. I was, so one of your heroines, I think, was your grandma, it sounds my like. My grandmother, it. my grandfather. Yeah. 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 That would be, those are good heroines and heroes yeah. for sure. So uh, what denomination are you? That's a common question that I think that you get. Yeah, I do get that off and on. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really not any denomination at all. Now, okay. when I was 16, I was going to a, started going to a Nazarene church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I went to a Nazarene church, and then I went to a Nazarene university, uh, Point mm -hmm. Loma Nazarene University in San Diego, and mm -hmm. I also went to Colorado Nazarene Bible College. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remained in the Nazarene Church. I, I actually served as a youth pastor for several years. Mm -hmm. And then um, when I was living in Las Vegas for a while, I started going to a Baptist church because that's where my parents went, my dad mm -hmm. and his stepmother. Right. So um, and I went, went to a – I got my first degree, my bachelor's and my master's, uh, at a uh, kind of a non-denominational university. However – it was run by Baptists. <laughs> okay. We won't hold that against yeah. you. And, um, and then I went to uh, Liberty University. Okay. Um, and it was, a, it was a 
Southern Baptist University. Mm-hmm. Okay. But in between that, I went back to a Nazarene. Okay. And then after that, I went, I've been going to non-denominational churches. Okay. And my thinking is more on a non-denominational or interdenominational because in the view of the, the doctrines of Wesleyan, mm-hmm. Armenian, and Calvin, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I kind of have pushed them aside mm-hmm. and just grabbed a few things I like and mm-hmm. developed my own thinking of what is truly a good theology that's totally... What makes sense to you? Well, not just that. Okay. I wanted to make sure that what I was believing in and teaching, because uh, what I was believing in was accurate and had no argument against it. Okay. When you say accurate, what are you talking about? Biblically, biblically accurate. Okay. So, for example, I didn't want to take out a scripture out of the blue and say, oh, this is what salvation is or isn't, mm-hmm. and then have other scriptures contradict it. Right, right. So I wanted to take things that were non-contradictory and put it together for my belief system. Mm, okay. Um, so, for example, I know in Calvinism they say that uh, they use the scripture, nothing can take you out of his hand or mm-hmm. pluck you out of his right, hand. Right. And they use that for a scripture, God loves you. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that has nothing to do with salvation. So. Right. Okay. So I, I use the ones that actually pertain without... To salvation. Yeah, without trying to interpret them. Okay. Just bring out the solid okay. scripture. And because when I started to teach, mm-hmm. I felt this accountability that was way mm-hmm. above and beyond. Mm-hmm. Because I believe that God holds us as ministers more accountable than, let's say, the typical layperson who's teaching Sunday school. This sounds like true scholarship to me. Possibly. I didn't ever I never looked at myself at that way though. Right. Because what does true scholarship say? We look at the truth wherever the truth takes us. Right. Okay. Yeah and I, and today I, I see a big difference between a theologian and a okay. scholar. Okay. Right. Big difference. Yeah. That's right. Two different things sometimes, yes. unfortunately. <laughs> so yeah yes. as we go along. <laughs> yeah. Um <clears throat> also some of the questions that you also get is do you tithe or do you believe in uh, the New Testament uh, Christians don't need to tithe? Where, where, do you, where are you at on tithing now? So I, I know that there's a big divide mm-hmm. with people who are in, in, the Christ, in Christendom, mm-hmm. okay? And they believe that the Bible, the New Testament doesn't teach tithing. Mm-hmm. I tithe. Okay. Okay. And I give above and beyond What's mm-hmm. funny is that when when uh, we have our own business, uh, mm-hmm. and so when when business is low, Susan's thinking, "Well, are we giving more than what uh, what we should mm-hmm. according to what we're giving?" She says, "Oh, I'm not going to lower what we're giving because oh, I want God's Lord. I want God's yeah. blessing." Right, right. But I do believe t- Jesus said that when he um, when he said to the Pharisees at one time, "You tithe and you should do this, and mm-hmm. but you don't do these other things that are loving oh. and so forth." So he actually mentions that, right. and I think that people want to say that because of the New Testament, we are no longer follow anything in the Old Testament, and I don't believe that. Right, right. I believe in Romans 11, it says that, you know, Paul talks about the vine right. and how because of the Jews of old, you know, they were taken from the vine, broken off the vine right, because right. of their unbelief. Right. And we as Gentiles were yeah. grafted in. Into that vine, yes. So I think that we're part of the same structure. In fact, mm-hmm. my belief is that Christianity 
is in fact pure Judaism. Oh, yeah, okay. Now, I know okay. that that's going to come to as a shock to every, a lot of people that I'm telling this oh, that to. sounds right to me, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, and I don't mean Judaism the, as today or Jesus' day, but but original original Judaism. We yes. follow God. He is He is absolutely the one Yahweh. we worship and follow and so forth. Right. And I and I think that that doesn't change because we're grafted in, and that's Amen. the thing they don't say. We're grafted into the vine. The Amen. vine is the same thing. Right. The first hundred years of Christianity was actually considered a Jewish following. Yeah. Yes. There were Jews that followed Judaism, but as Jesus as their Messiah. Yes. So they were. Yes. So if you look at the, all the different, the Pharisee, Sadducee, you know, Zionists, so forth, you know, there were five of them during Jesus' day, mm-hmm. and then when Jesus you know, arose from the mm-hmm. dead and ascended, there became a sixth one, oh. and the sixth one was the one that followed Jesus as Messiah. Remember, when Peter spoke at Pentecost, he was speaking to mm-hmm. Jews. Oh, that's right. 5,000 Jews became, all over the world, became believers. Yeah. Yeah, so these were Jews right. following. And it wasn't until after about 100 years or more that the Jews were say, finally said, hey, you know what? All these Gentiles aren't going to follow any of the law that we, mm-hmm. we consider it today. So we just forget it and we just go back. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. it became a Gentile following. Mm-hmm. Okay. So originally, and to the core, I really believe that Christianity is really Judaism. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like uh, Paul, of course, came along and helped all the Gentiles as we exactly. went along there on that story. So it says, do you worship, uh, so one of the other questions is, do you worship um, on the Sabbath day or on Sunday? Which day, Alan, are you worshiping on? Yeah, see, there's one of these other questions of, hey, well, you know, since, um, you know, I know where this comes from. Okay. So, so I will, I will, I, th- I almost believe where this comes from. People, okay. there are a lot of people that believe that Sunday, worshiping on Sunday is a pagan holiday. And they also say that, well, because Constantine, you know, created a Sunday to be a day of worship, you know, then it's all pagan, it's not, not biblical and so forth. I'm here to tell you that Christians have been worshiping for hundreds of years on Sunday. Amen. It actually yes. started the first century church when the Pharisees and Romans, and like Paul, the Apostle Paul, they would seek out Christians or, or Jews who were mm-hmm. worshiping Jesus as their Messiah. They would seek them out on Saturday, on the Sabbath day, mm-hmm. in their homes, and you would drag them out oh, wow. and stone them and persecute them. Wow, wow. So what they did was they switched the day of worshiping to Sunday okay. so they wouldn't be found out. Yes, and also isn't it the, the resurrection of Jesus happened on what day? Well, Sunday, but I don't think that has any bearing on the worshiping on, okay. on that. Sa- Sunday is not the Sabbath day as we know it. The, right. And, and the right. Sabbath it's the first do- day of the week. And a Sabbath does not mean Saturday. Okay. Sabbath means the seventh day. Right, right. So, so actually, all that to say this about me. Yeah, about you, about where you're coming yeah. from. So, yeah, so I, when I was younger, the pastor said to me, though, you know, because there's a lot of people who work on a Sunday and then... So forth, right, right. And, and I know the Jehovah, not Jehovah's. Um, I'm Seventh sorry, Seven Day Adventists. I'm yes. sorry, yeah, worship on a Saturday and right, so forth, right. and they're very strict about that. Right, right. I believe that it, it, we can get real 
legalistic about this. Yes. And I think that Jesus taught us that we need to live in the spirit of the law. Amen. The Sabbath day was not presented to the Jews from the law on. It was presented from Adam and Eve on. Yes. So it's not an old covenant thing, if you will. It's actually from the beginning. Yes. So and I think Jesus had something to say about that when he was confronted by the Pharisees. He, if I remember correctly, I'm not going. I can't quote the address, but the, see where Jesus said that Sabbath day was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Yeah. So that was, that was Jesus' response to that whole issue on that one. So Jesus said, "There's going to come a day where we worship not on Zion, not you know, not mm-hmm. on the two mountains, but we're gonna we're gonna worship in spirit and truth." Yeah. And my thing is, if we worship, we have to understand what worship means. It's, it, worship is the giving of myself as a as a gift to God. A hundred percent of me is Him. That's worship. Mm-hmm. So I need to take a day and honor Him and. And make that day important. So whether it's Saturday or whether it's Sunday, whether it's Monday, I don't think it matters because mm-hmm. our worship should be every day. Amen. Yeah, every you day know, of the week. Every day. And so yeah. when we start doing every day, the day we, we take as we honor him, it's almost like, well, I've, I've been honoring him yesterday and today and I'll do it tomorrow. And then, you know, the weekend comes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... I think God did things not just because of a spiritual aspect. If you read the scripture about all kinds of areas, yes. there's themes in there that, that, that bring about. So why is it good to take an entire day? Well, medical science has been telling us it's good for our physical and mental and emotional health. Yes. You know, the Bible says it's good for our spiritual health. So when we take a day of rest, we're actually helping ourselves our own bodies, yes. our own minds, our own emotional being, and our spiritual recuperation. Being. Exactly. Yeah. People right, get right. have strokes and heart attacks who don't take breaks. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's when part we're really really important. So there are days I actually go to a service on mm-hmm. Saturdays, and okay. there's times I go on Sundays, or times I go on both. Awesome. Awesome. But I think it's important not just to plug the the service in, but take the day. Mm-hmm. And relax. Take it and with your family. One day where you do absolutely nothing on, and that does allow for that recuperation. And from a mental health perspective, that is extremely important to be able to do that because in the scripture that goes along, by the renewing of your mind, you get an opportunity to really do some thinking and contemplating when you're when you're not actively doing other activity. Quite well, right, and, and it's a time that Susan and I get to relax together. Yes, we're not yeah. working; we're relaxing. So, yeah. you know, she used to say, "Well, we got to clean the house on Sunday." Well, no, we're not. He says, "Well, not because it's it's Sunday. We're going to relax." It's a, and a we're day take, of relaxation. It's a it's relaxation a down day. And, and let's see. I think somewhere in Genesis it talked about when God got finished uh, creating all the stuff He created. I think He picked one day that was to rest. I think that was the Sabbath day. Yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, let's see. We, I don't know if we have time for some more questions or not, but let's take a look at the next one here. It says, as a minister of God, how, Alan, do you deal with temptation? Because that is something that comes to every human being at some point in time. And so from, your, from where you, as you, you know, look at the, these, all the stuff you've been looking at over the years, where, where are you? Where do you come from on that issue? And, and um, so, so I I believe 
that if you're called to the ministry, it's it's almost like this idea of you're entering a sanctuary, mm. a place mm-hmm. so that's a holy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I believe when I take in the words like uh, Paul. Uh, minister is to be, you know, above reproach. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, do I get tempted? It depends on what the tempta- what the thing is. There are mm-hmm. things that come my way that I don't get tempted of at all, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but there's things that have a yeah, small... Because there are some things that I might, it might be a temptation to me, but would not be a temptation to you at all. Exactly. Yeah. I do believe that it's important to keep Jesus focused in, in all of our lives. Mm-hmm. I, I know that I have spoken before that it took me several years, maybe 12, 15 years, before mm-hmm. I even got myself together, mm-hmm. you know, and made a lot of mistakes um, mm-hmm. in my 20s. I did things that were just not right. Mm-hmm. And um, temptation overcame me, and... Uh, and, and you, you made know, some unwise choices and decisions. Oh, like all the rest of us. Well, yeah, pretty yeah. bad. And yeah. uh, and I know I was under a lot of medication because I had mm. a situation I was going through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I can't blame it all on that, but right. there's some problems in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, sure, it caused sure. manic, uh, manic depressant it's, behavior. It's chemistry imbalance that happens right. for all of us. But know. I also was immature, and sure. I also didn't didn't focus. And I I started realizing that. You know, on all sin, we're not immune to it. Right. I, right. I gave a, um, I gave a uh, workshop one time in California uh, to a bunch of ministers, and it was about uh, infidelity. Mm-hmm. I said, and I said to these guys, don't think that you're immune to infidelity right. just because you are a pastor. Right on. Yeah. You need to pray about that. You need to keep focused and make sure you're doing loving things for your wife. Right. Even if things aren't good, you need to start doing right. things. Pastors never quit being human beings, do they? No. So, so for me, you know, I mean, like with that, with that situation, I make sure even if things aren't good with Susan. I make sure on my part that I am doing things to show her mm-hmm. that I care about her. To show her it's that an ongoing process, isn't it? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, every every week or every time I give her flowers mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Yeah. So when she has flowers that die, I go to the store and I buy new ones. That's neat. You know, she always so she knows. I mean. To, to most guys, flowers, you know, mm-hmm. we're wasting money because they die and they're, you know, whatever. But to oh. a woman, their beauty in their, their life. And it's thoughtful and it says, I care. Exactly. So when mm-hmm. I'm not there, she, and she's bothered or upset, mm-hmm. she sees the flowers and remembers, I do love her. Right on. Right and on. so her emotions are in, are in check because I've mm-hmm. taken that uh, It's an step. expression of love that is there yeah. for her to see even when you're not there in person. So you, the two of you have worked that out. That's something that the two of you have come yeah. to, that an understanding of, of that expression uh, of love for one another. That's pretty yeah. awesome. So that's getting to know the other person for sure. Yeah. Go I think it. as a minister, mm-hmm. if, if you struggle with temptation, with the idea of, of um, playing with the temptation, falling to temptation... Then I believe this is my personal belief that you need to take a second step back into the ministry because you need to realize 
what you do will affect the people around you and the people around them and the people around them. Right. I right. mean, you look at history, even in our own country, we have people like um, Jimmy Swigert. I mean, that affected the entire mm-hmm. nation, if mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. the world, because people his broadcast went worldwide. Mm-hmm. We have the PTL Club, I mean, how that worked out. And, and we need to understand that ministers like Paul says, need to be above reproach. You need right. to be above that which is going to be of the, of the system that says it's, it's okay because you're human to sin. Mm-hmm. No, we need to be above reproach, and Amen. we need to have mentors. Right. So right. one of the things that I do is that when I'm in a position where I feel like I need to do something, I call one of my mentors, one of my pastor friends, and these mentors need to be people who are going to be more spiritual than me, and more, uh, um, oh, what's the word? You know, when you're older, you're more mature than me. More mature, yeah, yeah. <laughs> more mature than me, so that I could, so I can rely on them and them to pray for me and them to also guide me. Amen. And when you go Amen. into the ministry, all you ministers, you yeah. need to have that. Yeah. Ministers need to have other ministers because Absolutely. you can't go to your own people and talk to them. No, no and, and so, but that's, a, I think it's a very important, it's a really good question because, yeah. you know, I know too many pastors who have fallen into um, adultery or fallen into other problems that have messed up not only their marriage, but churches and people who turn away. So who does the tempting? Does God do the tempting? I think James has something to say about that. Well, absolutely not. The yeah. tempting comes from, you know, uh, other things like Satan, Lucifer tempts yeah. us, and, right. and our own our own pride and our own... Um, our own desires. Our own desires. In First John, yeah. he says the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, and lust of the eye. That covers a lot of territory. There you go. Yeah, it covers a lot of territory. Well, one of the other questions is is that... Um, you know, were your parents Christians? You kind of already answered that to some degree, but still it's a question that comes up. So what were your parents Christians in the context, I guess in the context of, you know. No. Now, my mother, when she was 12, went mm-hmm. to a church, and I think later was in a Bible study. And at 12 years old, she said she, she said a prayer that was a sinner's prayer, mm-hmm. and she was told because of that sinner's prayer, she's saved and going to heaven no matter okay. what. Okay. No matter what. So, right. to, to, but to, uh, today she doesn't believe in Jesus. The Bible's too boring mm-hmm. to read, and so therefore she has, she doesn't like organized religion or any mm-hmm. of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Churches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she really has nothing to do with Jesus whatsoever. Wow. Yeah. But so, but she believes she's saved and going to heaven because she said that prayer, and that pastor said that. Oh, so okay. that's that's a dangerous thing. But oh, my absolutely. mom, no. Okay. My 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 father how my stepmother yes my stepmother's gone mm-hmm. to church all her life uh, wow. okay. gone to the people's church in in canada then <laughs> okay. married my dad and went to uh church in in uh, las vegas my dad mm-hmm. became a christian he his life turned around probably when he's older you know when you mm-hmm. say i became a christian you expect somebody to change automatically my dad did some changing but he changed dramatically you know, mm-hmm. later on, mm-hmm. and I and you could tell that he was a believer. You know, mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one one of the questions, you know, when we're talking about parents being believers, and and then you know, we think of what kind of influence were they on our lives, which means it brings us to that there you, there came a point in your life when you decided to become a Christian. How about how old were you, Alan, when you made that decision 
to uh, to follow Jesus? Well, I was 16, okay. and uh, I went to church. And I, no, I went to Sunday school. Let's, let's put it realistically. Okay. I didn't like church. Church was boring, you know. <laughs> Uh, I didn't want to listen to a preacher preach for 10 minutes and listen to all the songs and all that. Right, right. It was just boring. So I went to Sunday school, and Sunday school to me didn't really do it for me either. Right, But right. they had activities that if I went, we could go to, which that's why a bunch of us went. Yeah, because you were... Uh, 15, 16 years old, right? Yeah. yeah. Sounds like a good reason to me. In fact, when my best friend's mom, we were like, I was like 14, she's, my best friends were visiting their stepfather. And the thing we had in common is, you know, we didn't have a father around. Right, but we, right. ba- we played baseball. So I was staying over their house, and one Sunday morning, you know, we get this, wake up! And we're like, you know, uh, <laughs> we're up at 2 or 3 in the morning, right? Yeah. And she knocks again, and, and she opens the door. He says, get up, you guys. And I'm like, why? I mean, what is this? It's like 8 o'clock in the morning. What's wrong with you? You know? <laughs> and and she says, we're going to church. And we almost unison said, what's church? <laughs> I mean, we just didn't know. Yeah, right, you know? right. And yeah. so we got hauled off to church. <laughs> and so yeah. so that was our introduction to church. Right, right. But, um but basically, we attended Sunday school, and we were I was not interested because a lot of the teenagers there uh-huh. I knew them right outside of church right and i and they, they they weren't they played the Christian part right at church, and they, we knew that they weren't because I'd seen the parties, I knew what they were doing right right the the not so yeah, unbiblical not so. things they were doing. <laughs> okay. you know. And so I thought, and then you see the ones that were, oh, I'm, I love Jesus they're, they're, this their walk, week. Their walk didn't match their talk, as yeah. some people say. I love Jesus this week. Oh, i got to pray for my sins because I went out and got drunk or got laid or something yeah, okay. last week. Yeah, last so, so they're up, and, and I'm no, like. That's, that's the population of Christians you knew at that point. And I didn't want anything, to do, anything to do with Christianity. Right. And then, then finally one day I was hitchhiking. You know, and I was coming back from the record store carrying my Led Zeppelin, you know, album, you know, and yeah. and uh, an album that I don't recommend. <laughs> and this guy picks me up. He's from like a four-square Pentecostal church. Okay. And he starts witnessing to me. I go, oh, great. You know, so I'm listening to him, yada, 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 you know. And so, yeah. but he has me this tract and he has me this Gospel of John. And so... I go to the, my fr- friend's house. I put on the headphones, and I'm the only one there at the house, and I'm listening to the album. And I'm reading the, the cartoon track. I didn't want to read the, gos- the gospel. <laughs> so I'm reading the cartoon track, and it's called The Beast. And at the end of it, it's during the tribulation. At the end of it, this guy's burning in flames. Well, that doesn't sound good. Yeah. And, and it was like, if you don't have Jesus as your Lord you know, right. and Savior, then you're going to burn forever. Yeah. Well, it sent chills through my body. Wow. I, we had a brand new pastor mm-hmm. named Lon Ekdahl. Okay. All right. <laughs> and I went the, to the... The man who became your, one of your mentors. Exactly. Yeah. So I went to the phone, and I called him up, and I said, Pastor... I didn't call him Lon back then. No. <laughs> pastor Ekdahl. So, Pastor, I need to talk to you uh, as soon as possible. And yeah. so about what a Christian is. And so I, he said, well, when are you available? I said, I'm available tomorrow. I said, I get out of school at 1230, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so I went to his house, and yeah. we were at the church, rather, and we talked till, I don't know, 6. All of a sudden, he says, i got to go to dinner. You want to come over? So he invited for dinner. Awesome. And he says, I have more questions about I need to ask you. So I can't, uh, he said, mm-hmm. well, on Sundays I'm the janitor. 
So if you want to scrub toilets with me, you know, you're welcome. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So I spent the entire day Saturday talking to him, asking questions, because I didn't know anything. Right, right. And he had these answers. And, you know, he had really good answers. Right. They weren't all, you know, right, uh, right. pious and, and so forth. Right. But there were, were thoughtful responses to your questions. Exactly. And they're down to earth and yeah. stuff I can understand. Right. And I believed at that point I just gave Jesus uh, be, to be Lord of my life. Awesome. I didn't want to play the, the games. That, I wouldn't right. want to play the games everybody else did. Yeah. Yeah. I ended up doing that anyway. Mm-hmm. And um, after we, I left the church, you know, right. we went to another, moved. Right, right. But... Uh, that was your starting place. That was my was starting place. Walk with the Lord. Yeah. yeah. And even though, even though, you know, here I am as a youth pastor and I'm getting my degrees, you know, my bachelor's mm-hmm. and master's degree and so mm-hmm. forth uh, in, in biblical studies or religious education, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm making terrible decisions. Mm-hmm. So even though I was in the ministry, mm-hmm. it was bad. So it wasn't until after that, like 30 years old or so mm-hmm. forth, 35, what changed for you? Well, what do you think it was? You know, my, um, I, I don't know, but I, I came to a point where I needed to honor God, mm-hmm. and and I and I knew this, and mm-hmm. and you know what? I was on medication, mm-hmm. and they were bar- they were narcotics, barbiturates. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. And so I was taking so many, I was just, mm-hmm. I was in this drugged out mm-hmm. phase. When the doctor took all of that off and just put me on this one that wasn't like that, mm-hmm. it was like I could think clearly. Wow. And I looked wow. back at my life, I thought, wow, I've really messed it up. You made some unwise choices. And I needed to make, yeah. yeah. So I needed to make wise decisions. Mm-hmm. And I did something that hurt my pastor really deeply mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think at that point, I realized I, I'm doing wrong things. I need to change my life. Well, well. And that was basically it. That was it. That's where God really got a hold of you and yeah. you began to move forward to walk with him. And having this dysfunctional family I had didn't help. No, no. <laughs> well, it, you know, it's amazing how all those things impact us as we live life and as we move forward. Even, a, even as, you know, no matter where we are when we come to know Jesus, where we've been up to that point in time is going to impact what happens to us as we continue to yeah. go along. So that's that's reality. That's just where we are. Uh, is another question that uh, you get frequently from others is uh, has something to do with your wife, and uh, and she is she involved in your ministry or in some kind of ministry? What what does Susan do? Well, I mean, do but how is she involved in what you do? More importantly. Well, she tells me what to do all the time. Oh, does she? <laughs> She's a good director, is she? <laughs> Actually, so, and, and this is probably a good question, especially for ministers or missionaries right. that are out there. Right. Um, I, I kind of believe that when a, when a pastor is called to a church or associate right. pastor, you're calling the couple. Right. You really That's are. Right. They're, they're a team. They're, they're right. in some way. In I don't way. mean that the wife has to play the piano or the organ. Right. That right. I, I don't That's agree That's not about. what we're talking about. Yeah. But Susan is really involved in uh, the, the music ministry at the churches we have gone to. Mm-hmm. She's in the choir, and she's mm-hmm. dedicated to that, cho- that choir. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And actually, what's really funny, uh, um, uh, forgive me, Susan, if you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> but... 
But, you know, when when she has choir practice in the week, she gets stressed out at, at her job. Right, and she right. has choir practice. I'm like, I want to kick her out the door and go. <laughs> because when she comes back, she's all in. All right. She's like that extrovert that needs people. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so when she gets out there, it's like, come back. She's choir all. Choir is good. Choir is good. good. Choir yeah. practice That's is good. That's her place of worship, isn't it? Really it really is. Yeah. And she. Her place she, of fellowship, her place of connecting with other Christians. It in is. Context. And she also takes. And this may not be a place of ministry of people think, but she right. takes a really strong heart of ministry to her grandchildren. Mm, wow. It's really important to her that her grandchildren know Jesus. Yeah. So she she sends them books. <laughs> and another example of grandparents being involved in their grandkids' life and especially wanting them to know about Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like Lon Ekdahl, mm-hmm. uh, he's, he wrote a book, mm. and he's writing books mm. so that they minister to his grandchildren so wow. they know. That's awesome. Because his children are, are amazing Christians, so he yeah, wants right, to make sure right. his grandchildren follow right. that. So yeah. he's, that's why he's written these books he has, and they're that's amazing. Awesome. So Susan, that's what Susan's doing as part of her continuing ministry, not only with adults, but also with kids, especially her grandkids. Right. And Susan's an amazing singer. I, I keep telling her she needs to get on Frontline Mike uh-huh. because she's really, her voice is really pretty. Yeah. It's really good. It is, for she's sure. She's just self-conscious. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So some of the, one of the other questions is, is why do you believe that Christianity, I think this is the some of the questions that I've seen that you get asked, I think this is probably one of the most important ones, is, but why do you believe Christianity is a relationship and not a religion, especially when it, when most people and authorities, uh, they say that Christianity is a religion. How do you handle that, Alan? How do you respond to that? So, back in the mid to late 80s, uh, late 80s, um, my wife passed away when we were in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And I started I started um, really praying a lot. I was in, in real agony. You would understand this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, but all of a sudden, it was like I was write, wanting to write a book mm-hmm. about, uh, I've always wanted to write, and, mm-hmm. but I, wa- I was writing, wanted to write a book Right. But I wanted to get what Christianity really was. And it got, it was almost like visions mm, mm-hmm. that Christianity was a relationship, not necessarily a religion. And so I thought, well, what makes the difference? And I, I didn't understand. Yeah. I didn't understand how I was getting this information except for visions mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. dreams or whatever they were. Mm-hmm. And I all of a sudden decided, well, this is what a religion is. And I looked up the, the definition. Right, right. And a religion is something that we do on a regular base up, base, uh, regular basis, mm-hmm. like, you know, going to church every, every week, right. praying every day, reading right. our Bible every day, giving our tithe every week. You know, when we do these things, these are religious things. Right, right. And these things are God-made religion, mm-hmm. this here. Right. But in all of these things, you don't have salvation. You, you, don't, have, you don't have what it takes to be... Um, God's person, that that mm-hmm. thing that brings you to Him right, for right. eternity. Right. Oh, now, when I looked up relation, uh, relationship, on the other hand, it was something that's a connection to. Mm-hmm. You know, like in marriage, you have that mm-hmm. connection to. Mm-hmm. So when I started thinking about that, what is Christianity? Well, it's something we have a connection with God. Mm-hmm. It's all these other things. You can go to church and read your Bible and pray every day, pay your tithe. 
and not be a believer in Jesus. Right, right. So right. Christianity is the part that has the connection. It's not that, just a routine of activities. Right. Yeah. However, I also realize that all these things you do, mm-hmm. you know, that of prayer and, and going to... Uh, with a, to assembly, people don't like the word church, but going to an yeah, assembly right. of believers, paying right. paying your tithe and yeah. uh, praying all these things, these are things that God instituted for us to which is build. That's still a part of the story. Well, it's to build our relationship okay. and make it stronger right. and build a building char- relationship with with Jesus. with Jesus, and it would also builds character. Ah, yes, and and it helps us get stronger in yeah. our walk with Jesus in that in that relationship. So I was able I was able for some reason to divide the two okay. and realize that well, religion is religion is religion. Even though we have God made religion mm-hmm. and we have man made religion. Yes, and there are lots. Right. However, the God-made religion was not created for us to have eternity with him. The religion he created to enhance our relationship. Ah, yes. So if you go back to the beginning, yes, yes. did did God say to Adam, here, you need to pray, read your Bible. Don't, no, well, they didn't have Bibles, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, he walked and talked with him. Uh, he built this uh, relationship from the yes. very beginning. Yes, yes. So I saw <clears throat> and I see very distinctly that Christianity is a personal relationship with with God or with Jesus, and as you read your it's scripture, an experience with another with with the living God. Yes, and it's also having a relationship with other believers. Yes, if you look at Judaism, mm-hmm. you know the Jews were in connection with God, and they were in a connection with each other. Each other. Yes. Christianity, if you read First John, it's the same thing. It's having that relationship with God, and it's having that relationship loving the brethren. Yes. yes. So in that, I see relationship as a triangle, basically, mm-hmm. not, just, not just vertical. In fact, the songs and the things we say, all I need is Jesus, is mm-hmm. not even biblical. Mm-hmm. We no, need each other. Yes, yes. And the Bible teaches that. Yeah. I think G- one of the first things Jesus did after he did wine, I think, was to collect a whole bunch of guys to walk around with. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What, did he, what, was, what was the important piece there? Well, he wanted them to learn. But he wanted relationship with, uh, with others. Yeah. I think that was real important to him, that that's to demonstrate that and to show us as those who would follow to learn about relationship in worship. And and even when we're told to love one another, mm-hmm. it says to love one another. Jesus says, love each other as and I have loved, loved you. you. Yes. So that's that connection of the right. relationship. And yeah. I think that's so important. And so that's why I claim that Christianity is truly a relationship with God and or Jesus and a relationship with other believers. Amen. Religion Amen. is this that thing that helps us build character. It's that thing yeah. that helps us understand God better yes. and to grow. Right. So that's what the two are. Yes. I, I like it. I like it. That's what I like. So what is a Christian believer? That's a common question that I imagine that you get. What What is that? A Christian believer is somebody who follows the teachings <clears throat> of Jesus. Okay. Um. I go to the word believe a lot. Okay. The word believe, we, we under, unfortunately, that word believe in our dictionaries, and that doesn't matter. It could be in English, it could be in Romanian, Spanish, Russian. 
that word, we literally define it as something we understand to be true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's the word believe. Right, right. In the Gospel of John, it's written like 90 times about believing. Hey, mm -hmm. we believe. And in, the, right. in First John, it's another, you know, 30 times. Right, right. The thing is, is that that word believe, the, the actual word in the Greek is pistuo, P-I-S-T-E-U-O. Okay. Pistuo. Okay. And that word does not mean to understand something that is true. Okay. okay. It actually is an active verb, where the word believe is a passive verb. Okay. So if I say I believe in Jesus is, in, in our languages today, is being a, a believer, a Christian, right, that's right. not true. Okay. Because you have to follow the teachings. Mm -hmm. The word mm -hmm. pistuo is an action. Okay. So it's like to follow him, follow, to follow and act upon what is being revealed to, to you. To follow is to go after. Yeah. What the scriptures teach you, reveal to you, what God reveals to you, which is, mm -hmm. is following those teachings. Mm -hmm. So someone who follows the teachings of Jesus, mm -hmm. back to Pistuo, mm -hmm. you know, is a believer, is a Christian. Ah, okay. So one who goes after Jesus, one who goes after the teachings of Jesus. Follows the teachings of and, Jesus. And wants that in their life. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And it says, um, do you uh, also, one of the things is, We've got kind of already mentioned this one a little bit, but do you have a, a Bible degree, or did God put Bible in your head, Alan? Uh, what, how, how, you know, where are you in this stuff of Christian education? And, you know, and sometimes what? I get these questions. I'm like, what do they want? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like, you know, uh, you know. Well, okay. So the, to answer the question, yes, I have Bible degrees. I don't. Oh, okay, that's good. I don't really say a lot about it. I, I'm. It's not the degrees that make me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, what makes me is my willingness to surrender to Him, and to His will, and to His Word, and to be totally obedient to what His Word says. So when I look at the Bible, for example, when I look at the Scripture, I, I hear a lot of pastors and missionaries and say God's ultimate authority is the Word of God. And mm -hmm. they're talking about the Bible. And, right, I, right. and I disagree. Okay. That's a real strong statement for this, right? <laughs> what, well, I, okay. what I believe is the actual ultimate, mm -hmm. you know, final authority is God himself and, and what makes God up. Right. His holiness, his right, love, right. his forgiveness. All right. of the things that, that are his attributes are the ultimate authority. Right. His right. word needs to be in alignment with his characteristics. In other words, God's never going to tell us to do something that doesn't match God's word. Right. I mean, God told us in the beginning, you know, I am always the same. I never lie. Right. He says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he is always the same. Mm -hmm. Okay, if that's true, then his word, everything in the Bible that's said there, needs to completely be in alignment with his characteristics. Right. right. So the two are together. So for me, when I look at um, what all this is about, the Bible, and what I have learned, mm -hmm. is to learn, I have learned that, you know, I need to, I need to come together with his word and with his with his characteristics. So now, the, the, my Bible degrees didn't give that to me. Okay, Bible degree, any degree is a, basically an area of study. So, the, so you have two of those degrees where you have looked at um, 
education, you've looked at um, Bible, you've looked at uh, you. So you do have those. You have those degrees of focus that you where you have looked at God's word more intensely than uh, at some at, at least at the, uh, for a particular time. That uh, so and they and when you looked at that, they said you have, you know, you've met all of our. Our, uh, our challenges, and uh, we're going to give you a degree. So you have one of those, or you have at least two of them. Oh, I have several. Three, four, yeah, yeah see more. <laughs> but you don't talk about them, which is okay, in my opinion, because that's not what's most important. My, because what's most important to you about that Christian education that you have received from others as you've gone along? Our website, <clears throat> believersjourney.net, does list my my education. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I don't talk about it. So um, this year, I actually got my PhD, my doctorate. Awesome. So, uh, but it, I, it's just it's not that doesn't make me smarter, and it doesn't give me authority. Yeah. I believe what gives a minister authority is his calling. Amen. And in his calling, we need to be sincere and dedicated to that calling to learn and and give the information out there uh, that he is giving us so when people ask me questions you know um, hopefully I've I'm read enough to learn of what the Holy Spirit you know is teaching me but overall I am counting on that the Holy Spirit just speaks through me amen um, I don't prepare like mm-hmm. these questions. They just kind of typed them out, and I, I didn't prepare to answer. I don't know what I'm answering. Yeah. They just kind of it just kind of come out. But I've the, got my own. I see. I came up with my <laughs> questions too. I think I've shared with you. And I see. think I think the Holy Spirit. If any time I teach or preach, I spend a lot of time mm-hmm. asking the Holy Spirit to speak through me. Amen. More Amen. than the notes I'm taking. Amen. Amen. And so in in that regard. That's what I really, really, really kind of seek after. So it sounds to me, Alan, like you made a discovery that I made several years ago that God's actually smarter than you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And His Holy Spirit does a pretty good job of helping to bring to our conscious awareness when we are teaching or sharing with others those truths that He would have this audience to know about. Yeah. In fact, I I would say that without God and without the leading of the Holy Spirit to in, in my life to learn and study everything that I do, I'm pretty stupid. <laughs> and my dad used to say, the, the more I learn, the stupider I find out I am. <laughs> I think there's some truth to that. Yeah. I, I don't know where we are with our with how much time we have. We have no... <laughs> so... I guess we have time for one more question, I think. Okay, this is a good one This is because it has to do with the end of times. So we might be at the oh. end of our times today. <laughs> okay, this is, so, so you've spoken about the end of times, but have you ever, have you, have you never said what you personally believe about the rapture and when it will happen? Mm. Uh, what's going on there? We're, we're at the end, so what do we yeah, I, so I do. Yeah, I do avoid <laughs> giving my answer. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I have talked about this because I say, well, there's four different people believe in four different raptures. I, I do know, and I need to say this, I don't know if I've ever said this on, on the program, but there mm-hmm. are three different um, theories. You have mm-hmm. the historic theory of the 
Pederist theory. You have the futurist theory. I know you. You are. You're in the. I'm the in the what they call the all millennial group. Of okay. People. Yeah. So so uh, I'm in the futuristic. Mm-hmm. So um, in all of my study, personally, I do not believe that there's going to be a rapture before the tribulation. Okay. There's no scripture that says it's going to happen that way ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, they take scriptures out that belong to the middle. Rapture, and they they try to interpret it in a way that it's, it oh, belongs yeah. to them. Yeah. But there's no passages anywhere. So I'm thinking, well, if there's no passages, how did this start? Well, back in 1830 or 1840, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. a lady in uh, I don't know Scotland or something like that decided that God loves us so much that you know he, He's just going to take us out of that uh, tribulation. And then some Catholic priest took up on it and then went running with it. Was it was called like the mis- the mysterious rapture or something like oh, okay. that, okay. and and it, and it grew and grew and grew. Mm-hmm. But in in all of my study, I've come to really believe that we are probably going to be raptured, uh, whether it's going to be in the very middle, because in Thessalonians uh, it, it says that uh, that we're going to be taken up. When the twinkling of an eye. Well, no. He says we'll be taken up when the man of lawlessness is revealed. Ah, He's revealed at the temple when when he claims to be God in the temple at the three and a half year period. Okay, okay. So that's, it's either there or toward the end, there's called the wrath rapture. And that's right after like the sixth seal, before the seventh seal, right around the bulls area. And uh, because that's where actually it says in, in the end of Revelations, I'm going to come in the twinkling of an eye. Okay, gotcha. And so it's like, well, then is it in the middle or is it almost toward the end? And toward the end, the belief there is that the whole belief of all the raptures, or at least the mm-hmm. three raptures, is that God will not do anything and is a personal punishment toward his, his own, his believers. Mm. So um, at the very end of the judgments, he all of a sudden puts his own his own uh, judgment, and so on earth, and that's when the wrath rapture says, "Then we have to be gone." Mm-hmm. And see, and and the great tribulation starts at the three and a half period. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's when the mid trib says it, it's, mm-hmm. it is. Those two is like, well, you know, either or. I lean toward the middle. And not toward the other, but I don't know. I can't tell you. They, they both yeah, have my, my own position is, is that when after Jesus shows up, it doesn't matter because he's in total control right. of what happens next. And there's that other so, one that says when Jesus <clears throat> returns, we're yeah. going to meet him there and come back meet down. Him, yeah. And that's after the tribulation. And I don't believe that one at all. Yeah. So, it, But endings are interesting. And what I think is interesting, where Jesus said he was asked about this, he says, no man knows the day nor the hour when any of that stuff's going right. to happen. However, he also said, <coughs> right in that same thing, but we need to keep watch. Oh, yes, watch. And that was what Christians, I think, from that point forward were to do until he comes again. Yeah. Keep watching. See, if we, I just took communion this last Sunday. And in there it says uh, that I'm supposed to take communion uh, in remembrance of him. Until I come again. Yeah. Okay. And I think that I think that it's important that we do keep watch. Jesus says the end days are going to be like the days of Noah, where people weren't watching. That's right. They we're were out attention. doing. They were doing their own thing. They're going yeah. to work. You know, they're just busy, hustle, bustle, and that's what we're doing today. Yeah. And so he said, we're not going to keep watch at, during the end days, and that's when it's going to happen. 
And he, and he gives a parable about the ten virgins, you know. Yeah, no. Five were ready and five were five not. not yeah. So I think, I think it's important that we do be, keep watch. And I think, yeah, be vigilant and be ready. So when is that going to happen? It could come at any point in time. And I think we need to be careful of these end-time teacher-preacher people who are out there making a buck off of it. Oh, you know, absolutely. And the guys who do the numbers and numbers and numbers and say that to give evidence to why they know that 1985 is going to be when it all yeah. comes to an end. Or when the four yeah. blood moons. Yeah. And, they all, and you know what? They all don't happen. They don't so, happen. So they, they, which they is all, fascinating. All their calculations, all their calculations aren't, aren't okay. going to be there. And if I've got time for one more question, Alan. You really don't, but you, okay. can, you can try. Okay. <laughs> Did God give you authority to teach the Bible? And if so, how? Oh, all I know is when I when I studied as a, to be a pastor, I was called to a church school uh, when I was in my early twenties, and I never learned how to teach. And I was I went there to teach, right? Um, and I actually refused the job for about an hour, hmm. and then finally took it. And when I walked in the school the classroom to teach, it was like it was second nature, like breathing air. Wow, it was so easy. Awesome. And then several years later, after I was mm-hmm. teaching, I realized, oh, this is like the gift of the Holy Spirit. Ah, uh, yes. So I realized that I was given the gift of teaching. Awesome. And I've tried to learn to develop that more and more and more through the years. Awesome. So that, uh, that would be my authority because when I was called to the ministry, I did have uh, Lon Ekdahl was, mm-hmm. was the person I talked to, and he says, well, it's important that not to say you're called, but do you have... Uh, is there confirmation? And of so I calling. had yes. I had confirmation from three Absolutely. different areas that conf- confirmed that. Mm-hmm. I even had somebody when I was in Hawaii come up to me who didn't know me. He was part of like a campus crusade right, people right. or somebody yes, yeah. walked up to me. They came to our church and, and in the middle of the of music said, I believe the Holy Spirit has spoken to me and says you need to be in full-time ministry. So I believe that calling is really the authority, not me, not because I went to, to some right. college and got uh, some kind of funky degree, but yeah. because God has called me. So, yeah. hey, so, this God. has been good. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your story. Yes. Well, I hope that the questions that I've been asked, that I have asked her, answered these, and if you have any others, I'll be glad to answer them. I just really didn't know that it was really that important to share what my life was about. Right. But more and more I talked to my wife, she kind of said, yeah, that would be a good thing. Wives are pretty smart. So, yeah. So thank you for joining us. I hope you all have a wonderful day, a wonderful week, and we'll see you next time. Aloha. Alan Cutting and the Believer's Journey radio program seeks to teach the Word of God in a clear and practical manner. For more information, please visit the podcast page at am630theword.com. 